This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. Imagine that you and I got on an airplane together and we were flying to imagine the the most awesome, luxurious destination we could possibly fly to. And imagine if along the way, our airplane started to deviate off course, just a few degrees. But if over the duration of the flight, that plane did not correct, do you think we'd end up at our destination? Definitely not. Where would we end up? Who knows, right? This is the way most people live their lives. They wake up every single day taking action moving forward, but they're not always clear on exactly where they are going or why they're going there. And when they're off course, they're not even aware of the fact that they're off course, which is why so many people live a life by default rather than a life by design. Today, the title of this episode is Having a Great Career Starts with Purpose and Planning. You're going to hear a story of a woman who has been living the principles of the one thing through in her own life to ensure that she has a great career. You're going to hear how purpose and planning were fundamental to her living what she believes her mission is today, which is changing the way that people view sales. In fact, as you're going to hear, she's going to suggest to you that every job, regardless of your role, is a sales job. Now, if you're sitting there and going, pausing, going, hey, I'm an executive assistant or I'm an accountant. Now, my job's not a sales job. What you're going to hear is how the principles of the one thing and proven principles of some of the best salespeople actually lead to you having a career worth having. With that, we'll get into this episode with author of Every Job is a Sales Job, Dr. Cindy McGovern. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like Breakfast on the Go, lunch, snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Cindy, when I heard the title of your upcoming book, Every Job is a Sales Job, I first and foremost went, that is awesome. And I'm a sales guy. So of course, I love it. And then I put myself in the shoes of somebody who does not consider themselves to be a salesperson. And I hear them going, what? So help us understand why you believe every job is a sales job. So it's funny because I did not begin my career in sales. In fact, I ended up in sales kicking and screaming. (laughs) And that's why I had this revelation that, oh my gosh, I've actually been selling my entire life. 
And so I was a college professor, I was a consultant, and then ended up in the sales role going, oh my God, I have to figure out how to sell. I'm going to be terrible at this. And I don't want to be one of those cheesy, you know, I call them Johnny Two Thumbs. It's the guy with the plaid pants who's, you know, skulking over to you at their car lot trying to get you in a car. I was like, I can't be that guy. And so I had to come up with this way to sell that was authentic for me. And when I figured that out, I literally realized I had been selling in every job I had, whether it was working at a grocery store, teaching, whether it was actually you know scanning books, whatever it was, it was all sales. We just don't call it that. Mm-hmm. Well, when you say scanning books, how is that sales? <laughs> if you are volunteering at a library and you are helping them to organize the books... There are still people that are coming in. You are selling yourself to your colleagues that you will do a good job. You will organize in the right way. You are selling yourself to the people who are coming and asking questions that the staff at this library is nice. It does not matter what you do. You are always selling. I like to say every interaction is a transaction because you leave that other person with a feeling, good or bad. Hmm. So you're selling. How would you define what selling is? I think selling is helping another person to get what they need. I am a total helpaholic. That is the way that I sell. I come from a place of abundance and gratitude and want to help other people. And I truly believe that selling is uncovering what somebody else needs or wants and finding a way to help them get it. I love that. And I'm reminded of the Zig Ziglar quote, you can have everything you want if you just help enough other people get what they want. One of my favorite quotes of all time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So... This is all in the the higher level of how do we have a great career? You know, I've heard Gary say so often um, when he's talking to business owners, when they're looking at their business, all the things they got to do, most people are focusing on how they have a great year mm-hmm. rather than thinking bigger and asking, how do I have a great career? So how does this idea of having the mindset that every job is a sales job help people have a career that's worth having? Amazing question. It is all about knowing what you want. What is your end game or at least your next game for the next 3 years, 5 years, 10 years, whatever. And being able to look at every single thing you do as a stepping stone to help you get there and being clear on it. And that's one of the things that I find even in my own life and with my friends and with colleagues is we're a little muddy on our plan. Once you get clear on that, it drives everything in your life. It's like if you've decided you're going to lose weight. You look at a plate of brownies totally different than you did the day before because you are clear that it is 10 pounds in the next two months are going to be gone. Okay, so instead of eating five brownies, you eat two. (laughs) You really do change everything, but you have got to be clear on that plan of what you want. And I think that's really how we create the career progression. You start looking at ways to help you get to that next stepping stone, but you got to be clear on what you want in the beginning. That seems really simple. (laughs) When you ask somebody, what do you want out of your career? That is a huge question that most people probably quickly hit that wall of, I don't know. What did that look like for you? So it's funny. It it was an evolution and it still is. And I think we are all you know works in progress and I think we should continue to be so. So my ultimate goal 10 years ago was not necessarily the same goal it is today. And I think it's giving yourself permission to let it be fluid. But when you ask yourself that question of, okay, what do I really want? You take a step back and you look at what the imprint is you want to leave on this world. And that's where I'd say start is what is it you really wanting out of this? What is the career doing for you? Is it that you want a career that's going to provide you that life you know, altering experience where you're going to have yachts and planes and stuff like that? Or is it that you're wanting to make an impact on people? You're wanting to be a student. You're wanting to be a teacher. You know, 
really getting clear on what that impact piece is. And then you work backwards from that. And mine was about helping people to change the way they look at sales because I was one of those people. I did not want to be in sales. I hated it. I thought it was icky. And I said, Oh my gosh, I can help so many people (laughs) to get more of what they want in work and at life if they just understand they already have this skill set. They just need to use it. So I'm I'm putting myself in the shoes of the person who's listening to this. And there are some people that are further along in their their career and they might have a sense of legacy impact that they want to be making. And there are some people that might be earlier in their career or just flat out unclear on what that impact even is. Did you always have clarity on the impact side or was that something you developed later in your career? I think it's an evolution and I think it still is evolving. But I knew I wanted to help people. That was really clear to me when I was in grad school. I knew that was something that was going to be important to me is helping others. And that's why I ended up being a teacher. And then I was a consultant and a trainer and all these wonderful things. But it really... That was my driving force is I'm a total helpaholic. Okay. So here's what I love about that is you went from something as simple as, I want to help people. I think most people have that type of a gut sense of like, okay, I know at least on a foundational level, I want it to be helping people or whatever it is who's listening. You go from something as simple as, I want to help people to something that has evolved over time to you saying your mission is to change the way people look at sales. Absolutely. And again, it's evolving. In 10 more years, if we were to have the same conversation, it may have evolved in that amount of time too. But I think that's part of the thing that people need to realize is you've got to be clear on what that underneath driving force is and then be open to looking at where the path is going to take you. Yeah. Here's what's interesting. We were we started to do some research on purpose. It's it's in the one thing because you can't truly be productive if you don't know your priorities. You can't know your priorities if you don't have a sense of purpose. And people ultimately go, well, how do I discover purpose? And as we did the research, one of the things that we found is it's actually not about discovering. It's about developing. Mm-hmm. Discovery feels like a destination you arrive at, whereas developing is a journey you go down. And the moment you start to view it as a journey you go down rather than a destination you arrive at, it feels achievable and attainable. 100%. And that's the evolution I'm talking about is I didn't wake up saying I'm going to be a college professor. That evolved through grad school. And then that changed to being something else. And that changed to being something else. And now I'm this author. And like, you have to be open to that. But that's literally it is about evolving and continuing to review your goals too. And knowing, am I still on track for the path that I wanted to create? Or am I getting off track? And I think a lot of times we don't like we don't block time to really pause and evaluate. <laughs> and I think we need to do more of that just as human beings, even and go, am I still on track? Okay, cool. Keep rolling. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm flying back up to 10,000 feet and I'm thinking about, okay, this is all in the construct of how do I have a great career, a career that's worth having? And what I'm hearing you say, Cindy, is it starts with first and foremost asking the question. What is it that I actually want out of my career? What's the impact that I want to be making? And it doesn't have to be this grandiose statement that when you say it, the heavens open up from above and doves fly. It can be something as simple as today. I know I want to help people. Yeah. And be the type of person that's committed to revisiting that and dating that over time. What did, that, what did your journey look like from, from there? Because every... every episode, my goal is that we share stories of how people lived the one thing. So I'm, I'm going back to Professor Cindy knows she wants... Or grad school Cindy who knows she wants to help people. But that's about it. What was, yeah. the, what was the next domino? So the next domino was actually the plan itself. Is you know kind of looking at 
what that might look like, what the possibilities were. This was the developing part, not discovering, but developing. This was looking at where I could go with this and realizing it. And I'll go back to grad school, Cindy. Grad school, Cindy thought she was born to be a college professor, truth be told. Like that was, I went to grad school to do that. And so I said, okay, well, here's what I need to do. I need to make a plan of what universities I want to teach at, what kinds of courses I want to teach. And that became my lead domino first was, this is my plan to be a professor. Well, what was funny is when I became a professor, I realized I could make a larger impact on helping more people if I got outside of academia. So my lead domino changed a little bit. It was still a plan, but now the plan was, okay, now I got to get out of academia to help a larger group of people. And so the lead domino was always planning and writing down that plan, but that plan evolved. It changed and it still does. And that's what ended up, that's how I ended up writing a book is I realized I needed to have a greater impact. I got to write a book. I got to write pages every day. That becomes the plan. Yeah. And, and here's what's so interesting about this. Because this applies to people who are trying to live the one thing as individuals. It applies to companies that are trying to bring it into their culture. I had a conversation this morning with a big company and they, we were going over the GPS, the one-page business plan. They're saying, well, it feels kind of limiting because once we declare what our priorities and strategies are for the year to achieve our big goal, we feel like we're locked in. <laughs> no, no. You're putting a plan in place to the best of your ability today. Based on all that you know, you are putting a plan in place. You take action. And what I'm hearing you say, Cindy, is you reserve the right to look up and say, I have more perspectives today than I did when I first got into academia. And I now have clarity that maybe this is the next domino I need to knock down. Absolutely. And I think we have to give ourselves permission to have that flexibility. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. And that's also why people don't write down their plans. I have this sort of personal thought around this is they don't write it down because they feel like, oh my gosh, now it's in stone. Yeah, but it's not. Things change. I mean, you might write down a plan that you say, okay, every morning I'm going to wake up and I'm going to take a walk. All right, that might change because tomorrow there's a giant snowstorm or a rainstorm. That's going to change your plan. It's okay to be flexible. But the key is getting clear on what you want and kind of narrowing that focus a little bit so that you then can take the first step. And I think that's the challenge for most people is what is the first step I need to take towards doing this? And for me, it was into academia, then it was out of academia, then it was how do I reach more people? And that lead domino changed a little bit along the way every time, but it was always around creating a plan first. I had to have that clarity of the path to be able to take the first step. So this is very interesting because when we look at the one thing and we go to the time blocking chapter, there are three things Gary and Jay say you should time block. Your time off so you don't burn out. You time block your one thing so you do what matters most. And you time block your planning time. Yep. This sounds so simple, Cindy. And we happen to know the majority of people don't do it. Why do you think that is? You know, common sense is not common practice. If it was, we'd all be like super healthy and eating vegetables and like not eating tubs of ice cream. Like it's just the way it is. But I think what's interesting about like, and I'm a huge fan of the one thing, I'm a huge fan of the 66 days and all of this. And it's played a very big part in my life. I have been carrying the banner of it takes at least 66 days to make a habit for years. So I'm a huge fan, but I think we don't plan for those times. So literally in those, those three brackets, Planning your time off, we forget we actually have to have downtime to be creative, to think about that plan. And that's where a lot of the evolution of the plan comes in. My revelation to write the book happened on a vacation. 
where literally I had Mm. time to be down and away from everything and off the grid and start thinking about it. And then I went, I got to write a book. (laughs) If I didn't have that planned time off, it would not have occurred. And I think for a lot of folks, they feel like they can't plan because they have to be ready in case something else happens. Mm. I'm going to tell you right now, something else is going to happen. It is going to get in your way. The key is plan around it. And what I always tell my friends and colleagues and, and clients is write it down anyways. Put it on the calendar like it's a doctor's appointment, like it's dinner with grandma. You're not going to cancel that, right? You've got to make that time. And it's about creating your own priorities and deciding what is more important to you. And you're not going to be able to do it all. Let some of it go. Obviously, you know, Gary talks about that in the book, but like let some of those other things go. But this is about prioritization. Mm. It's like you have a bank to spend of time and you got a hundred bucks. If you spend it all on brownies, you're not going to have any money for vegetables. You've got to get clear on what that is. It seems like from early on, you were the type of person that intuitively continued to revisit things with yourself. Like, what's the impact I want to be making? And most people, we find that they just don't commit to, the, commit to that journey process the way that you did. Uh, the second is most of them aren't planning. And as a result, they say yes to whatever pops up. And and I want to say, if that's you who's listening to this, there is no judgment. Because I don't... Cindy, what grade were you taught to get clarity on your purpose and ensure you have a plan to, to work toward it? I'm waiting for that class, Jeff. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So we weren't, right? Yeah. Society has taught us to wake up and be reactive. It's why people wake up and check email and go to the office and open their computer and check email until they go to a meeting. And then they check email until they get distracted by somebody asking if they got a minute. <laughs> that's, that's why... That's what happens today, right? Cool. But I, the reason I wanted to have this conversation today is because here is a case study of somebody who has been living principles of the one thing. And it has helped her live a life of purpose and priority. And it's something we all can do. The question is, for you who's listening, what's the one thing you can do? Such that by doing it, would make having a great career easier or unnecessary. Cindy, what do you think the biggest mistake is that people are currently making? Well, to stay in the same thing we were talking about is not having that clear purpose, not knowing what their intention is. And I think people get kind of stuck and they think, well, I should do this or I should want to do that or I should want to go make you know, a gazillion dollars. No, stop shoulding. You know, stop and think about it and say, what is it that I really want to be able to do in my time here on this earth? How can I help others? How can I you know, make that impact? And for some, some of the listeners, you guys are going, I don't want to do that. I want to just make money and go home and be with my kids. Then that becomes your priority. It's not maybe about the career path. Maybe the career path is a means to an end to be able to do the other stuff. That's great too. But it does go back to planning. And that's the thing. If you're not clear on what you want, that plan is never going to come together. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And again... When we go back to this idea of you have to have a sense of purpose, that seems huge, right? When we think about the dominoes lining up, how the 57th domino knocks down a structure that reaches almost from the earth to the moon. That's a 57th domino, having clarity on your purpose. And what's the one thing someone can do such that by doing it would make developing a sense of purpose easier or unnecessary? 
I think there is a huge lack of permission happening in our world. I think we, like you said, we are on someone else's timeline. We wake up, we check email, we get into work, we stop at seven different desks and answer a bunch of questions. Like it's not about where we're at. I think we have to take a step back and give ourselves permission and say, this is the important thing. And that's really what the one thing really talks about and helps people to do is take back that control of saying, this is the most important thing. So if you're writing a book and you say, the first thing I'm going to do is write for two hours every morning. Great. Do that. If your one thing is going to be getting healthy and your one thing is to wake up so that you can go take a walk, great. Whatever it is, but it's giving yourself permission to be able to do that. And that's where that sort of larger domino piece is, is is living with sort of purpose and priority and being able to think about those things to be able to unpack it to get to what do I need to do right this second Mm -hmm. to get me closer to that goal. And I believe in sort of like five steps to do that personally. I think you have to plan. Then you have to start looking for the things around you that are going to help you execute that plan. You got to listen to what other people need so you can, of course, help them. So they'll want to help you. Nobody does it alone, of course. And then you actually have to ask for what you want. And if you haven't done the work on the front end of giving yourself permission to do this, that ask part is going to fall apart. You're going to skip right over it. And that's a challenge for everybody in listening. I would encourage you guys, get clear on what that purpose is. So that when you get the opportunity to ask someone for help to help you to execute your plan, you don't chicken out. And then that brings you to the last step, which is follow-up. And I think this is the part where (laughs) we all kind of fall down. We get really busy in our own lives. But follow-up has actually been one of the best ways for me to continue to help people that have helped me along the way. And it's showing gratitude. It's keeping them in the loop of what's going on in my world and my business and my successes and challenges. And it's amazing because then it goes right back to the beginning of planning. And it's an ever-growing cycle. And it is truly that evolution in developing a plan over and over and over again. But folks, you got to start with knowing what's in your heart, what impacts From a high level, the idea of developing a sense of purpose, the idea of ensuring you have a great career is huge. And what I heard you say, Cindy, is it starts by giving yourself permission to even ask the question and search for the answer. Amen. <laughs> what, is the, what is the impact I want to make? And, and I think for a lot of people... Well, I'll just ask you. What would your life look like today if five years ago, just once a week, you asked yourself the question, what's the impact that I want to be making in this world? And you searched for an answer. Just one. Doesn't mean you had to stop at one, but you just held yourself accountable to coming up with one answer. If you ask that every week for the last five years, what do you think would be different in your life today? That is a hugely powerful question. And I think that's something we have to continue to ask ourselves. Literally every day, all day, kind of, taking that inventory, taking stock. But again, I think if we haven't planned for time and mental space to do that, that's why that doesn't happen. We are literally on that hamster wheel every day. We're all doing it. I mean, think about it. The way that we even react to communication nowadays, if somebody doesn't pick up the phone, we send them a text, we send them an email. Like We have no patience for anything anymore. And we've got to block out the time to actually be creative and give ourselves permission to stop and pause and measure and examine and evaluate and well, give our permission to move forward. 
very timely. The last two episodes that went up were the habit that cost $100 million to learn and why it was worth it. And that habit is thinking time. (sighs) Developing the habit of purposefully sitting down with a question and searching for the answer. It's almost like we lined the episodes up like dominoes. (laughs) Almost like we did that. (laughs) Pretty good. I like it. We started this episode with this notion that you believe every job is a sales job. We've gone down this vein of how we have a great career rather than just a great year. And this idea of thinking and asking ourselves the questions and putting plans in place, that all makes sense. I'm interested in going back to the conversation of what your journey has looked like when it comes to the one thing to fulfill your mission of changing the way people view sales. Great question. I, As I mentioned earlier, I got into sales kicking and screaming. I did not want to do it. hated it. And realized I needed to make this work for my job at the time. And had to find a way to do it authentically. And so that was a big piece of it was finding a way to make this work for me that I didn't feel like I had to be Johnny Two Thumbs. And that put me on this path to looking at successful sales people. What did they have in common? It's not terribly different than Gary's book, Millionaire Real Estate Agent. What are the best of the best doing? Let's figure this out, right? So I started looking at some of those veins that they had in common. And the ones that really spoke to me were they listened to others. They are truly good listeners. And I think we all have this image of the sales pitch or the person giving you that information. No, you listen first, then you offer. So that was something that spoke to me. And then another thing that spoke to me was the fact that most salespeople don't actually ask. We sort of leave it on the table. We leave business on the table. And so when I started to kind of piece that puzzle together, I was able to kind of create my own sales process that felt like me. It felt authentic. And when I started to do that, I literally, I remember the revelation where I literally went, I've been doing this my whole life. Oh my gosh. I just called it like convincing people or persuading a friend. It literally has always been sales. And when I realized that I had fought sales because of the stigma that I had around it, and I had hated it and not wanted to be it, I started seeing sales everywhere. I started seeing opportunities everywhere. And I went, Oh my gosh, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is how I'm going to help so many people. Because I want them to be able to embrace this and be able to know. And by the way, everyone listening to this podcast right now, I want to congratulate you because you're good at sales. You don't call it that every day. But if anyone on this podcast has ever had a toddler eat anything green, you're the best salesperson on the planet. (laughs) (laughs) That's relevant. It's literally... That is the skill set. It is the same. It's just taking it and transferring it and helping you to live your one thing and get what you want out of your career. You have the skill set already. Embrace it, hone it, get better at it, and it will help you to get what you want. All right. So go high level again. What are some of those basic skills that you see the greatest salespeople living that applies to every person? Literally goes back to my five steps. They have a good plan. It is truly about getting clear on what that is. For a lot of salespeople, our plan is a little bit too high level. We think about, okay, I want to bring in you know X number of dollars this year. But we don't go down the rabbit hole of the funnel to figure out the one thing you're supposed to do today to get there. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to bring in you know 50 new clients, that's great. But then what do you do in the next 5 minutes to make strides towards that? Right. How many so hours of lead generation is that? How many calls is that today specifically? How do you know if you're on track? Oh, yeah. 
hundred percent. And that goes back to time blocking and having time off to think about it and actually having time for planning. I mean, all of it is intertwined, but that's, that's the first one. And then the second one is actually being aware and looking for opportunities. And I think we have to be vigilant around that. And like I said, once you have a plan, you will be more vigilant. There's, there's a great, uh, it's called the blue car syndrome, but it's actually this really great idea where when you bought a blue car, you start noticing them everywhere. And it's so true. Like if you bought a pair of black boots, you start seeing everybody in those black boots. Once you start looking for ways to execute your plan, you will recognize they are everywhere. And good salespeople see that. Good salespeople think that there are 7 billion people on the planet. Well, there's about 7 billion people on my prospect list then. (laughs) And then the third step is listening. That's the third piece that really solid, amazing salespeople do is they listen to what other people want. They listen to what other people need. And then they offer a solution if and only if they have it. And I think where sales gets that bad rap is people are offering stuff we don't need. You know, it's the old adage, the old sales example where the doctor comes in and goes, you want pills or a shot? Like that was the way we sort of did the pitch in days gone by. But really good salespeople stop and they listen to what the other folks need and then help them first. And then that person is more apt to help you. Yeah. So I want to go high level. And I'm thinking of people from who are in finance to people in ops or who are executive assistants. I mean, these are not the type of jobs that you would normally think of sales. And when it comes to being as efficient and as effective as possible in your role and being fulfilled, would you benefit from having a plan so that you'd have clarity on what matters most? Do you think you'd benefit if you did look out into the world for where you can bring the most value? Would you feel more fulfillment in what you do? Do you think you would have more opportunities if you were listening when you're interacting with people to where they were struggling, what their challenges were? If you asked for the opportunities you were looking for and if you followed up, it all makes sense. Common sense. I just want to help people make it common practice. I love that. That was a writer downer. I wrote that down. <laughs> so, so Cindy, what, what can people expect if they check out your book, Every Job is a Sales Job? Well, the first thing that they're going to learn is I address the ick factor of sales right up front. So for folks that are nervous about it or have that sort of stigma around sales, we're going to talk about it right up front because you got to give yourself permission to explore what you want to do to be able to use the skills of sales pros to get what you want. And then they're actually going to get those five steps. I'm going to teach you how to do every single one of them. I'm going to teach you how to plan, to look for opportunities, to listen to the other side, to ask for what you want, and to do that follow-up and do it with gratitude and coming from that place of abundance. And their stories. I wanted to share stories. I wanted this book to be about every person's journey. So just like you said, one of the first stories in the book is about an air conditioner repair person. Nobody sees that as a sales job, but it absolutely is. And so I have stories in there that people can really hopefully hone in on and say, okay, I see myself in that one. That's me. I can do this. And I want them to walk away feeling empowered that they can use these skills 
again, that they already have (laughs) and they are good at, but now they can do them with some intention and purpose. Yeah, I love that. And the book is available for pre-order today and it officially goes on sale September 17th. And for us being in the book business, we know how important it is to have a strong contingency of people who support you in the in the pre-launch so that you can hit all the best lists and get the recognition that you deserve. So if you'd like to... Where can people go to support you, Cindy? They can go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. And the easiest place is just go to my website, drcindy.com. And it will take you to any and all site you want to, to purchase the book. And thank you so much for your support on that, Jeff. It's, it is part of my plan to help people get what they want. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And Dr. Cindy is just drcindy.com? That's it. I can't believe you got that dumb. <laughs> I had this plan a long time ago, remember? <laughs> um, snap. Hey, you too can have the URL of your dreams when you plan and have thinking time. <laughs> is the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. Awesome. Well, Cindy, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate you uh, investing the time with us. It has been an absolute honor and pleasure. I'm such a fan of the podcast and such a fan of, of the one thing. And I just want to help folks to be able to live their one thing. So thank you for having me. Well, there you have it. Our conversation with Dr. Cindy McGovern, author of the brand new book, Every Job is a Sales Job. Here's what we love about this, folks. The one thing's the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. When we look at all the actions that we suggested you take in this episode, they were all simple. Even though they lead to results that truly are extraordinary. It's extraordinary to have a sense of purpose. Most people don't. It's extraordinary to have a great, vibrant, fulfilling career because most people don't. And when we start with that end in mind of, oh, how do I have a sense of purpose? How do I have a great career? It's such a big question that we hit this wall of, I don't know. And we don't know where to begin. And it all starts by asking the focus question. What's the one thing you can do? Such that by doing it, everything else would be easier or unnecessary. You heard Cindy's journey. What will yours be? If we fast forwarded five years from now and you made the commitment to begin asking the question, what's the impact I want to make in this world? And putting a plan in place and looking for the opportunities and listening and asking and following up. If you did that over the course of the next five years and we were interviewing you, what story would you be sharing? We hope to have that opportunity. And it requires that you start by taking action. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you are new to the podcast, please press that subscribe button so all future episodes will automatically be downloaded to your device. And for those of you that are veterans of the One Thing podcast, we have a request. Would you help us in reaching more people and making a bigger impact by sharing this with at least one person that you know needs to hear this? It would mean the world to us. And if you've not yet done this, please leave a rating and review on your podcast player of choice. It does help us reach more people and we love to see your feedback. Thanks so much. And we look forward to being with you in the next episode. 